0: Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. Lord, we thank you that you're as close as the mention of your name. And all we have to do is just call upon it, Lord, and you lean down to us. We don't have to scream. We don't have to yell. We don't have to do anything other than just say that precious name of Jesus. And Lord, here we are calling on your name. You've seen our list, you've heard the names called, Lord, there's so many. Lord, some have undergone surgeries and are doing well, and for that we praise your name. Lord, for others who are about to go through surgeries, we pray for your hand upon them tonight. We pray for the doctors and nurses. Lord, we pray for those who are um, in the situation of the Ellisons tonight, Lord. We've all walked those shoes, and that's no fun. And it hurts, and it's hard, and you don't know what to do. But Lord, all we can do tonight is just lay her at your precious feet. Lord, she claims uh, to know you as her Savior, and we're going to trust that testimony tonight. And we're just going to lay her at your feet that one of your precious children needs a touch. And Lord, we just pray for her tonight. We pray for the family with strength. We pray for... Um, the Boucher family tonight, Fred and Evelyn. Lord, we just ask Your touch upon them. We pray for Your hand, Your precious hand. Lord, we pray for these little children that we called, Lord, who are sick. Lord, sick children. It breaks our hearts. It breaks our hearts, Lord, but we trust You that You have a purpose far greater, far greater than any good we could think. And we trust You with that tonight, Lord. Your will be done And that these children Would just come back Tall and whole And what a testimony They would carry for you Lord When you reached down And touched them In their darkest times Lord remind us Don't let us forget Like these Israelites Were going to study Lord How quickly they forget How quickly we forget Of your goodness and mercy That you've shown us Over these years We love you tonight We praise you And we just ask your blessings On what we're about to study Lord, I pray you give me the words they need to hear. Lord, give me the words I need to hear. Speak to my heart so I may speak to theirs. In Thy precious name we pray. Amen. Alright, Jeremiah. Back in Jeremiah chapter 2 tonight. Chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2. and. Um, just a little review before we dive into the scripture. We remember that um, a few weeks ago we talked about, we started this study with Jer- uh, Josiah, the king. And he was eight years old when he ascended the throne. And then eight years later, when he was 16, he became, he um began tearing down idols and began uh, cleaning up where his evil father and grandfather and great-grandfather had left off and put all of these idols and altars to Baal and anybody else that they they liked and didn't like, whatever. And he cleaned up. And it's called a a turning back to God moment when he was 16. That was eight years into his reign. And then in the twelfth year of his reign... Jeremiah is called onto the scene, all right, so that gives you a little bit of background as to where we are and politically and religious and then all that what we're doing um kind of gives us um a time frame. Remember last week we talked about um the call of Jeremiah and what God did in his heart and his life, and remember um we had talked about. I think it was verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you and have appointed you as a prophet to the nation. We talked about how that, if there was no other verse in the Old Testament, that's enough. That He knew us before we were ever conceived, before we were ever thought of. And He had a purpose. And we talked about the purpose of the the Creator can create something for a great purpose or He can create something for just an everyday normal purpose. But that both of those things are a purpose. And whatever we're created to do, we're supposed to live out our purpose. And we're not supposed to look to the left or to the right. We're supposed to look at ourselves and look at God and fulfill what we're supposed to do. And that's what Jeremiah is doing right here. So, um, 11 through 19, chapter 1, uh, God gave him a vision of something to come. Of, of the uh, Judah's about to be overtaken and um, he gave the, the almond rod and the uh, the boiling pot remember I brought my pot and it's facing from the north which means they're coming down and they're going to take them over uh, and we talked about how would you feel if, um, if, if you knew that the work you were doing was in vain and we talked about that and um, Jeremiah and his heart and how he didn't That didn't seem to bother him. So um, we're going to get into chapter 2 right now. So if you would stand, let's read chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 1. And now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and proclaim in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord. Remember concerning you the devotion of your youth, the love of your betrothals.'" And following me after in the wilderness through a land not sown. Verse 3. Israel was holy to the Lord. And the first of his harvest. And all who ate of it became guilty. Evil came upon them, declares the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord. What injustice did your fathers find in me, that they went far from me, and walked after emptiness, and became empty? Verse 6. They did not say, Where is the Lord? who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through a land of desert and pits, and through a land of drought and deep darkness, through a land that no one crossed and where no man dwelt. Verse 7, I brought you into the fruitful land to eat its fruit and its good things. But you came and defiled my land and made my inheritance. You made an abomination. Verse 8, the priests did not say, Where is the Lord? And those who handle the law did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied by Baal, and walked after things that did not profit. Verse 9. Therefore I will yet contend with you, declares the Lord, and with your sons' sons I will contend, for across to the coastlands of Katim and see, and send to Kedar and observe closely, and see if there has been such a thing as this. Has a nation changed gods? When they were not God's, but my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this and shudder at the very desolate, declares the Lord in verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. You may be seated. (coughs) Chapter 2 God called Jeremiah He gave him a vision But now Jeremiah um, God said to the word, to Jeremiah in verse 1 Now the word of the Lord came to me saying Go and proclaim to the ears of Jerusalem God says Jeremiah You go tell them this You say this And he gave them all of this to say Sometimes when God calls us, he just says, go and be among them. And I'll tell you, you know, you kind of have a leading. But um, in this particular situation, God said, here, I'm going to give you the script I want you to use. And don't stray from it. And this is what I want you to say. Um, That's pretty clear. That's pretty clear. You know, he's got the call in his life. and, And what am I supposed to say? And remember. Jeremiah was happy in his life, living, you know, out in the. He didn't live in Jerusalem; he lived in the land of Anathoth and the land of Benjamin. So he was out there, you know, having his own little life, and God calls him. Oh, excuse me, into all of this. Um, So, you know, here he's walking down the streets. Jerusalem had no friends, no family here. It was just God called him, and say this now. Can you? We read through this, but can you imagine this being? There was no nice greeting. There was no, um, nothing like that. It was all a very much a, uh, you know, remember Jonah? He said, go to Nineveh and say this, you know, if you don't turn back, you're going to get killed. You know, (laughs) it was short and sweet and to the point. Kind of like this, just, well, lots of words. Um, That's what he, that's where we are. But notice what he started out with. Thus saith the Lord, and God said, this is the words of God. He said, I remember concerning you, the devotion of your youth, the love of your betrothals, and you following me in the wilderness through a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord. This is verse three. And the first of his harvest and all who ate of it became guilty. Evil came upon them, declares the Lord. He reminded them of where they come from. He reminded them of where they come from. Like I mentioned in my prayer, how quickly we forget. How quickly we forget of where God has brought us from. Um. The Israelites were no different. They had a rich history and and it was told to them in many ways. They didn't have um, Wikipedia or Google search or whatever, but they had scrolls and they had the um, Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. It was all in black and white form. But remember, we talked about in King Josiah. they come into the temple and they found the scroll. And the scroll was so old that it was new. They didn't know what this was. And it was the first hearing that had been in a long time. So that kind of tells you, yeah, but their parents didn't tell them about it. Or their grandparents didn't tell them about it. You know, they had become so used to this other lifestyle of following pagan worship, of, of worshiping whatever come across, whatever feels good that they lost they lost the vision of God and what He had for them, but He reminded them, "I brought you out of Egypt, not only brought you out of Egypt, but um, led you through the wilderness. Remember the Red Sea. Remember uh, Mount Sinai. Um, can you imagine? Remember when we talk about the wilderness? Sometimes we think of uh, like barren wasteland, but but we don't. We forget that it was a desert." Remember how hot a desert is? Remember Egypt? Y'all, the Sahara Desert? It was hot then too. It's just a hot place. So they led them across this wilderness of nothing, nothing. But yet they never were hungry. In fact, food fell from the sky. They were never thirsty. They could get water from a rock. Their shoes never wore out. Um, they never the worst thing that happened was a rattlesnake. Remember the snakes? The cobras or whatever kind of snake it was? And what did God do? The, remember the he made this this put the snake on the stick and said, if you'll just come out and look at this, you'll be healed. Um He he always had the plan and, and they were taken care of. And here we are, several, you know, hundred thousand years later, um, and they forgot they forgot, how quickly we forget. But notice that God said, hear the word, uh, look at verse 6 or verse 5. Let's start in verse 5. Thus saith Lord, what injustice did your fathers find in me that they went far from me and walked after emptiness and became empty? What happened, Jews or Hebrew children or Israelites, whatever you want to call them, what happened for y'all to turn from me. What did I do that made y'all turn from me? That's what he's asking. He says, did I not do all of this? What did I do? And look at verse 6. They did not say, where's the Lord? They never said, you've led me out here to die. You have not took care of my needs. Now they told that to Moses. But what happened? Just as soon as they started, that, that need was met. Remember, they wanted something as simple as meat. We're tired of bread falling from the sky. We want a little meat. And what happened? Quail at their feet. They, all they had to do was pick it up. Didn't even need a gun. I mean, it was just that easy. That easy. That easy. Reminding them, um, where's the Lord? Nobody said that. Nobody said that. Um you know, he, he's brought us here to die. Nobody said that. They were just so used to their old ways. Verse 7, I brought you to the fruitful land to eat its fruit and good things. He led them from Egypt, um, which they liked Egypt. Remember that? We want to go back to Egypt where we had cucumbers and, and all this other good stuff. You know, at least there, even though we were in bondage, we it was better than the desert. Remember that? And then God said, but I'm taking you somewhere better. Because the bondage thing remember that remember that so they get to Canaan beautiful milk and honey flowing place um and what happened there they got there and they it didn't work they disobeyed again it's just and we we can stand here and we can judge them but you know I'm no better than they are I'm worse probably you know I I fail every day just like you know they did and, and we do but I know by the end of the day, I hope I have made it right with my Lord. You know, I hope I've made it right because I got a lot riding on this. You know, I got a wife, I got children. If I fail them, then who's going to pick that up? You know, we have a world full of people not picking up their part. So I want four less kids to be in that number, you know, and I want to do my part as well as I know y'all do. Um, I was um. verse 8 verse 8 before I get into that um, notice that the priest the priest did not say where is the Lord you know it's the priest's job isn't that a kind of an obvious job function of a priest to say y'all need to turn back to God right even the priest didn't say anything the priest just jumped right in and, and they were even corrupt and took money and you know, if you give me you know two thousand shekels, I'll forget what you just did. I mean, it was totally corrupt. They even and we talked about this the first week, how they had used the precious the precious synagogue, the the temple of Jerusalem, and had made it into a den of iniquity and just had every idol do an idol worship in the precious house of god that um, that they, they worked so hard to build, and God it was such a promise from God. And here they are in the mess. But what I want to get to tonight, I I want to get to verse 13. Be appalled, verse 12. Be appalled, O heavens, at this, and shudder and be very desolate. This is different than what I had planned. But um, when I'm studying this during the week, And and I I read through Jeremiah. And Jeremiah is so rich. It is so rich. It is so rich. Such a rich book. Um, Just because it's not after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And just please don't miss the Old Testament. It is rich. It is rich and stuff. I read this. And God speaks to me. (laughs) And I'm going to get to that in just a minute. But I, um, I have a burden. I have a burden for y'all. I have a burden for my family. I have a burden for this world. And it's all wrapped up in verse 13. And that's our world today. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me. The fountain of living water to hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. What is a cistern? A cistern, I have found, um, you have a cistern and you have a well. Anybody know the difference between a cistern and a well? You know the difference, Dottie? I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Mhm. Right. That's it on the head. You have wells, and we're used to wells here in the south, and they dig down into the ground, and what they hit are these underground streams and things, and, and a well keeps running. The water keeps running through these wells. Um, when you dip your uh, bucket into the well, you've got some fresh water. It's not the same water that's always been there. When you have a cistern, it's it's a it's a sealed the the um the walls are sealed. It's it's made to hold stuff, just like she was saying. Usually rainwater, and um, they use it to flush their toilets or whatever. You have a cistern in your house, believe it or not. Every one of you do, I know, unless you're still using an outhouse. You know that big tank of water on the back of your toilet? That's a cistern. That's what that's a cistern. I found out that's the official term. Um so whenever you use the bathroom you think of me and you think of this verse, okay? <laughs> but we got a cistern and it holds water and what it does is you use the water to flush things out. It's it's a standing pool of water. You use rainwater. There are cisterns um over in in this area of the world, the biblical lands that have been there for thousands of years. Um and what they have to do is they have to go in and, and clean the mud out. And clean them out so they'll be used. And it's usually not a fresh water thing. Usually you don't drink out of them just because of the stagnation and the stuff that it gets in them. But they do um, still use them today. Um, Because remember, water, the ice bucket challenge doesn't happen in the Sahara Desert. That water is precious. That water is precious. So they use things like this to keep, um, build these things um, to keep the water. But what I was I have thought about is you have um, a fountain of living water and Jesus. And when I think read that, I think of Jesus. He's uh, the water that never runs dry and the woman at the well, He offered her the water uh, at the well, not the cistern, but the well uh, that never runs dry. The fountain of living water. But people, not just these Hebrews, but 2014, in September, they make for themselves cisterns of um, broken cisterns that can hold no water. They have cracks in them. What's the big deal? You have the fountain of living water, precious, precious water, and then you have a cistern, and it'll go dry. What happens to a hole? If you got a hole in the toilet, what happens? It leaks out all over your floor, right? It can't hold water. But some of the cisterns, like Miss Dottie was talking about, like over in Egypt, they do hold about that much. I mean, underneath it's a lot of mud. But, you know, they look and they say, oh, I got water. I- I'm good. I got water. But it's it's water. It's not the fountain. It's not Jesus. It's just such a a tip of the iceberg of what it could be. Such a tip of the iceberg of what it could be. And these people, my family, my church family, they these people say, it's the same thing. It's just as good. It's just as good. I've got water. I've got Jesus. See? See? And it's that deep. It's that deep. I sat there at that football game Friday night. And it was hot, but it wasn't as hot as y'all were. Sorry, Kim. It wasn't as hot in that, uh, that, that stand. But I was hard. And people um, at the football game, that's a good people watching time. And you know, some, some of them you know, most of them you don't. But And you try to go. I try to be aware of who my kids are hanging around and their parents and their friends and, you know, all of that's coming by me. And I saw the world. I saw the world, and I was sitting there thinking they have traded their the fountain of living water for a broken cistern. And they think it's all right. They think that's good enough. They sit there and they think, you're saved, I'm saved. You're going to heaven, I'm going to heaven. I've got enough Jesus to get me there. It's called Fire insurance, heaven insurance, whatever you want to call it, I've got that, but do they have that? as Mike was speaking this morning if you if you can go out and do anything you want to do and never have the conviction power of the Holy Spirit come across your mind or your heart or your life, you might want to check your fire insurance policy. I know. I know the conviction power of the Holy Spirit. I know the conviction power of the Holy Spirit. And if you are saved, you know the conviction power of the Holy Spirit. He's not going to let you stay that way. Right? Do you know what I'm talking about? He is not going to let you stay where you are. He loves you too much. Just like these people. He's not destroying them because He hates them. He is trying to bring them to Him. He's trying to bring them to Him. And we sit here and we call ourselves the church. And I'm not talking about this church, I'm talking about the church universal. We call ourselves the church, and these people live with us. They walk by us, we work beside these people. They check us out at Walmart. They're in our lives, they're in our lives, and God's put us in our lives, and we say, because you have this much water, you've got your life search so they're good, God'll work on them. God'll work on them. What's He called Jeremiah to do? He's calling us to do the same thing. My friend, it's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. To have a broken cistern, that ain't water. Guess what? It ain't. It's not good enough. This this part of the scripture, God broke me down this week, talking about this. And sometimes I have a cistern. I'm no better than. Any... Remember, remember this fact. Anytime a preacher or somebody gets something and and, and shares the word with you. Remember, they've had it preached to them that week. They've had it spoke to them that week. Otherwise, they can't get it to you. Remember that. Remember that. I have lived with this this week. I have a lady in my office who... Um, this is just my, my typical my workplace. I've got a lady um, in my office who is a Wiccan For uh, Wiccan is a witchcraft kind of religion thing. Um, But yet, my best worker, my best worker, if I need something done, she's the one I go to. I got another lady I grew up with. I knew her parents. Her daddy helped lead me to the Lord. She, She shares Jesus, Jesus, Jesus on Facebook. Never darkens the door of a church. Never darkens the door of a church and she'll be the first to talk about you if your back's turned. She's late for work. She doesn't hold up her end of the bargain. And yet, she's best friends with the Wiccan girl. Another girl. Um, her mother was one of the backbones of Utica Baptist Church. Her husband's lost. Lost as can be. Lost as can be. But because he doesn't go, she doesn't go. When the Bible says you just keep on going and he'll follow your example eventually, you know, you, you lay that foundation for him. That's just my circle of influence. What about yours? What about yours? What, how am I supposed to reach these people? Well, um, you know, workplace and Jesus is, is a touchy thing, especially when you work for government. And Mike hit it right on the head this morning about government. It's hard. It's hard. But you know what I can do? I can mention it as much as I want to talking about me. You know, I can tell them about me going to church. They know I do this. They know I'm here. So because they know I'm here, I have a testimony there. And they're watching me. They're watching me. The the Wiccan girl, her husband had a medical episode this week. You know what she did? She said, can you pray for him? You know? You know, can you pray for him? I sure will, honey. I sure will. I sure will. Um, they know. They know. And is she wicked because she believes? No, she just wants to be belong to something. And I think that's the bottom line. I think that's the bottom line. Her husband, he's lost. He goes right in with her on all that crazy stuff. and um, It's just the cisterns. It comes back to that. God has not let me live that down this week. The fountain of living water. We have that fountain. It's flowing out of me. It better be flowing out of you. And we've got that fountain of living water. And Jeremiah has been walking through this town of Jerusalem. He's telling them, "You, you ain't got it. Just because you go sacrifice a bull at the temple, that ain't all there is to it. That ain't all there is to it. Um, we had a uh, Mincy's sister uh, had a uh, accident a year ago and we prayed for her for all our married lives and and then some Uh, she married uh, um, a Presbyterian and that's not a bad thing, y'all. I'm just saying. <laughs> but, unfortunately, he was not a very active Presbyterian. Let me put it that way. So, they have lived 30 years out of church. They drop in occasionally. But, you know, 30 years out of church. Well, last year she had an accident. And this accident, uh, she fell. And, and it, uh, the way she hit... It jarred her spine, so that up and down her spine she developed abscesses, which is infection, and there was nothing they could do. And her fever went through the roof. She was in ICU for weeks and weeks, just hundreds of thousands, if not a million dollars in bills, just that quick. She had to go through rehab, couldn't walk, couldn't couldn't do anything. Mitzi would call me. They went right up there, her and her parents and sister. Other sister, and they would go right up there, and um, she's, it'd be, she's unconscious. I mean, Mitzi had no hope, no hope whatsoever that week, and but God brought her through that, and, and today she is working. Um, miracle! It is a miracle of God. But not just that part. The miracle of God is that she texts Mitzi and her other sister Andrew. They have a three-way texts, I call them. Three-way calling, it's three-way text, and they text each other and copy. It's just their phones are always going off, but it's always something. Jesus, she mentions Jesus and God and blessings and uh, what a difference a year makes, what a difference a year makes. But the thing is, they're still not in church, still not in church, but closer than they were. And we take all that we can get, but their problem—they got cisterns. She grew up at Seneca Baptist. Went there acting. She was, she went through the acting program. I have pictures where she... You know how they do the... Remember the Regent thing? They had Queens and, and they got all the gowns and all that stuff. She did all that. And, uh, Mitzi was too. Um, proud of my little acting. <laughs> but um, did all of that. But you know, there's more to it than just that. And what what we've got to do is make sure our kids are grounded in that. And thankfully, Mac is a very solid Bible teacher and gives it to them week after week. And, and they learn. My kids come home talking about it, sooner. They come home talking about their studies and what they've learned. But um, these sister and people, um, how do we reach them? I don't know. I wish I knew that answer. I wish I did. But you know what we can do and what Jeremiah's do, is be obedient. Number one, Have you ever told them about Jesus? Have you ever said, don't just say you should come to church. That's good. That's good. But sometimes you need to get a little bit deeper than that. Are you saved? Oh, yeah, I was baptized. Wrong answer. That's the wrong answer, by the way. That's the wrong answer. You hear me? That's the wrong answer. Are you saved? If they say, well, yeah, I was baptized. That's the wrong answer. That's the wrong answer. Are you saved? Yes, I'm saved. I remember it. I was sitting in my pew at Lydia Baptist Church, and that revival preacher was preaching, and he said, you need to be saved. And I felt that in my heart, and I was seven years old, and I didn't understand it then, and I still don't understand it, and I'm 44 today, but I know that day, God came into my heart and my life, and He made a difference. I know I never mention baptism, you see, because that's not the right answer. The right answer is when did I turn my heart and life over to Jesus Christ? Now, have I failed Him since? Oh, yes. Did I fail Him today? Oh, yes. But He's never left me. He never fails me. And I go to Him and I say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Help me do better. And that mercy and grace just pour over me. And one other thing that I know I'm saved, when I step out of His will, that Holy Spirit conviction I was talking about, it hits. It hits us hard. And if it hadn't hit you hard, again, check that life in, uh, life insurance, that uh, heaven insurance, fire insurance, whatever you want to call it, policy you've got. You might just have a cistern. You might just have a cistern. Just because you've been a member here for 50 years doesn't mean you're ready to go. Just because you've been a member here for two weeks doesn't mean you're ready to go. It doesn't. And there's no shame in that. There's no shame in that. I promise you, if you walk an aisle and say, Lord, you know, I've always just doubted, but I'm getting it right today. And you get that thing settled, I guarantee you, people will knock you down saying, I'm so proud of you. I love you. I'm so thankful that you've done that. People don't judge you. And if they do, they're sisters. they got to check it out. You know? That's the problem. Be appalled, O oh heavens, and shudder. Be very desolate, says the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me. The fountain of living waters to hewn themselves cisterns. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. Verse 11. Has a nation changed gods when there were not gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. It is in our nature. It is in our nature as humans. It is in our nature to worship something. It's our nature. Whether it be God, whether it be money, whether it be Clemson Tiger football, whether it be the Atlanta Braves, whatever, there's something going to take your time, your money, your energy. Your children may be your worship, your act of worship. Something, it is in our nature. Remember the, um, the Egyptians, they had a God for everything. Look, the Nile's flooding. that must be an act of god a G-O-D, a little G-O-D, a little yeah. got to throw some babies in it to appease this God. Um, the the sun rose again today. Oh, we've made the sun God happy today. A volcano erupts. Oh, you know, that God made, made that God mad. we got to go do something for Him. It is in our nature as humans. If we never had any contact with anything on the outside world, it's our nature to worship something. The Mayans in, in Central America, they come across these pyramids, these great pyramids in the middle of the jungle where they've sacrificed uh, human bodies and flesh and, and things all in the name of religion. They're, it's in our nature. You're going to worship something. Everyone's going to worship something. My hope my hope is every one of us are on the same page tonight. My hope is every one of us are on the same page with um, the fountain of living water. Check your fountain tonight. Instead of an invitation tonight, I just want to come pray at the altar. Um, I want Linda to play softly and just something soft on the organ. And let's just come to the altar because I know you have somebody in your life Pray for, And if you don't, come see me, and I'll give you a long list of people that you can pray for me. Because they're precious to me. These people are precious to me. And unless they change their ways, they're going to hell. It's that easy. It's that simple. It's not going to be a magic thing. My son went through that Walgreens red light last night about 720 my son went right through it, headed to the uh, rodeo up here with the Brookie family and had a wonderful time, had no idea anything happened. But you know, if it'd been a little bit later, his life would have been gone. You know? And that could have been anybody. You never know what tomorrow holds. You never know. You never know. Those people that were killed, I heard they were just in town to paint. They were that was their uh, on a the job doing some painting. They were done and going home, going back down to Iowa. They had no idea when they washed out their paintbrush that that was the end of the road. Had no idea. You don't know. You don't know. Let's come to the altar and pray tonight. um, We're going to have just a few minutes and then I'll close us in prayer.